everyone, welcome to the Cap City Outfitters podcast. You've got Brian and Chris. Um, this is episode 12. Today, we want to talk about what we call unglocking your Glock. Good morning, everyone. Um, this is an, an epidemic that has been going on for eons or since Glocks came into this country and people started making aftermarket parts and or grinding and quote unquote polishing on them. Um, we're going to talk about some things that we've seen here recently and by recently meaning the last year or so and then also kind of getting back in some historical stuff that's popped up on a regular basis uh, things that you can do to your Glock to make it not work um, thereby unglocking your Glock as a general rule of thumb if you buy a Glock handgun and you leave it the heck alone um, it will just work with boring reliability and it actually tends to get better after you put about 2,000 rounds absolutely through. and by the way we'll put in a shameless plug here if you don't like the trigger on your Glock bring it to us bring us 2,000 rounds of ammo and give us a week or two we'll give it back to you with a demonstrably improved trigger pull um, but the ammo's on you so um, so unglocking your Glock um, I'm going to start, I'm just going to work from the front end of the gun backward because I don't know if there's a better way or not. That works. Um, here recently, we've got a, a, a couple of guys that we shoot with on a regular basis at, that have tried out things like building, you know, I, I don't want to mention a brand name because I don't know enough about it to not step on the wrong toes. Um, but doing things like putting compensators on Glocks, not in and of itself an evil or bad thing. Uh, compensators are not bad. They're not the devil. They're not wrong. Um, but putting a compensator on your gun improperly or installing it improperly or not doing things like, I don't know, I, I don't know if you Loctite it or rock set it. I don't know how you do it right because I don't do that, but I know how you do it wrong. Um, you don't affix it properly. You don't get a barrel that it mates up with properly so that your slide going into battery sometimes either doesn't want to go into battery because your compensators move too close to the slide at full battery. Um, thereby preventing it from going into battery and letting the gun shoot. Um, or just doing oddball things where the the barrel tilts. It's a browning tilting lockup design. So if you notice the hood of your barrel drops down into the slide um, before the slide can move to the rear. And so that system, there's a fitment issue with with compensators i'm assuming they're cheap ones or the wrong ones or something i don't know it's also just adding weight to the yeah end of the barrel. adding weight to the barrel and and things like that it, it's just it's the fitment issue and the testing it issue um slapping one on your gun and then going out and wasting a training night because you've converted your semi-auto glock into basically what amounts to a bolt action um or, or, or a pump however you want to look whatever that action is appropriate um is 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 frustrating it's definitely embarrassing if you're around us because we're going to ride you like a cheap pony at the fair maybe even throw gravel at you small gravel but still um so that's one of the things we've seen modification of barrels adding things to barrels um and along with that um you know if you have a barrel that's fitted to your gun tightly so that the gun is accurate um, that can be a wonderful thing, unless it's a little bit too tight, and if it gets dirty at all, the gun may not go into battery. Another version of unglocking your Glock, um, and and that brings up not lubricating exactly having a dry gun and doing all these different things. And and admittedly, admittedly, some of these things are a cascade of minor errors, none of which by themselves would unglock the Glock, but when you put two or three of them in a string, it creates a train wreck. Um, that is unglocking your Glock. So if you have uh, an aftermarket barrel that's very tightly fitted, that's threaded, 
um, that you know shoots wonderfully, but you add the comp to it or some weight to it or something funny out front that now impinges on the, the workings of the gun in some fashion, it creates issues. Um, since we're at the barrel and the front end of the gun, let's talk about guide rods. Um, again, back to things like tungsten and stainless steel guide rods. Not the devil, not a horrible thing, um, but quality matters. Um, there are some of those devices that you can put in your gun that you have to be a little more careful when you reassemble the gun, that everything's in the right place as it should be. Um, and then also some of those devices too, I've seen cheap ones that have gotten scratched up for some reason or another, and it creates drag on the spring and creates reliability issues. Um, you know, size issues, how well does it run through the front of the gun and different things of that nature. And I get if you want to put some extra weight on the front of your gun, um, changing out that guide rod is, is one way to do it, and that's totally cool. Um, uh, you know, another way to do that might be putting a flashlight on it. Um, another way to do that might be going on Amazon and buying some of those crusher grip strength thingies and just getting stronger hands so the gun doesn't move around. Yeah, you know, doing kettlebells so the gun doesn't move around quite as much. Um, laser guide rods. Um, I will absolutely throw a name out here. Laser Max. Don't flippin' do it. I've tried it twice. They don't work. I don't know anyone who's ever gotten them to work. And the guy who says they do work says, I've run pert near two boxes of ammo through the gun and it ran fine. Um, it only jammed three times and that's not acceptable. So Laser Max guide rods. If you can get one to work, Merry Christmas, hallelujah, good on you, but I've not seen one yet, and, and I, I want it to work because I like the idea, but no. Um, working back further into the gun, um, I'm going to jump to the back of the slide and talk about internal parts like triggers. Uh, not necessarily the trigger shoe, but aftermarket trigger bars, aftermarket connectors, aftermarket strings, uh, spring systems, and things of that nature. Again changing some of those parts out not the devil not a bad thing not horrible um, you're not going to go blind or anything like that doing that you just need to test the system out make sure you're working with reputable parts from reputable manufacturers please bear in mind big brand names does not equal reputable there are brand names in the unglocking your glock industry um, that are huge names that are sold i'm sure people are making money hand over fist but they're selling you parts that are freaking snake oil. They're trash um, or will be shortly. <clears throat> companies have really nice, fancy social media accounts and cool videos. Yeah, and, and some pretty awesome shooters making their stuff look good. Um, but the video that goes up isn't the one where the trigger hung up or slid off the connector and the gun didn't work. Um, and again, I'm not going to drag any brand names through the mud. I'm not going to pick on Zev or anything like that, um, you know, or, or bring up some of those stuff out there. Just be careful with what you're putting in your gun. Um, you know, we see a lot of issues with modifications to trigger bars to make things ride smoother or change. In the Glock, we refer to the back wall of the trigger. You pull the trigger back, take the slack up, you hit the back wall. There are things done to trigger bars to make the back wall a little more pronounced and also to take some of the take-up weight out of it so you can set up on the shot faster. That's cool. No big deal, as long as it works. Um, you know, some of those, sometimes, though, you get into, again, that train wreck that um, tolerance collision issue where one guy's part should work fine by itself or with Glock stuff, but it doesn't work well with the next guy's part, and then you put a third part in there, now things just fall apart. Um, so, or, you know, just be cautious with that. Or turn into a 17 and a half. <coughs> yeah, yeah, which is a lot of fun once. Um, so, uh, I, I, and again, um, things like 
plunger, safety plungers that are rounded, not a big deal, um, as long as that's how they were manufactured. Things like trigger bars with the engagement of the safety plunger on the trigger bar having some shape added to it, not a big deal. Um, things like polishing up the back, um, you know, where the manufacturer has stoned or polished or flattened up and smoothed out that surface where the trigger bar engages with the connector. Um, none of those things are issues. Um, going to lighter springs on the firing pin will lighten your trigger pull, but it could also compromise reliability or the ability of the primer to hit, or the firing pin to hit the primer hard enough and actually ignite that round. Um, so be aware of those things too. Those are competition toys um, until you've gone out and tested the crap out of them. Testing the crap out of them also means using them in adverse conditions to make sure that changes in temperatures, a little more dirt than you normally have in the gun, field conditions, so to speak, don't impinge upon the firing pin enough to keep that new spring from working. Just because it works great 200 round practice sessions at a time and the gun gets field stripped doesn't necessarily mean that it's reliable in the long haul if you actually need it. Um, anything to add to that because I'm going to jump on polishing next. I was just going to, we need to talk about lubrication last. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So polishing. Again, polishing in and of itself, not a bad thing. Um, one of the issues we see with polishing some of these parts, uh, a, a good example right off the top of the head that I mentioned, the firing, the safety or the firing pin plunger safety um, is, is a beveled device from Glock. It is generally a plated device from Glock. It's a piece of steel of some sort that has some kind of chrome um, or slippery, slippery metal plating over it. When you go and polish it, you generally work through some of that plating on the edges and what happens over time is that plating will start to wear up as you clean the gun and it'll create edges that then make your trigger worse than it was before. So be aware that if you go and polish some of the Glock parts there may be some unintended consequences if that device is plated you may actually create something that's going to cause a failure or a problem down the road um, a worse trigger than you had to begin with. So you know that's where an aftermarket uh, plunger or something like that might not be a bad idea. I think Apex makes a pretty good one. I'm sure there's other companies that make them too. Um, polishing the trigger bar where it impinges or acts on the disc, the connector in the gun, um, the connectors uh, in the back of the gun where those two surfaces mate. If you go and polish those with a Dremel with a wheel, um, be judicious about it and then test the crap out of it. Sometimes you'll take an edge or a flat face and round it off and that will allow the trigger bar to run off of the connector and shut the gun down. Um, again, you know, and you could in theory wear through the plating or polish through the plating and create something that's going to have a gnarly trigger pull down the road once it delaminates the rest of the way. So the big issue with polishing though is creating a situation where two flat surfaces interact in an appropriate fashion now become two rounded surfaces that slide off of each other and don't do what they're supposed to do. So be aware of that. Um, same thing with polishing like the cruciform on the trigger bar uh, where it engages with the firing pin. Um, a nice crisp edge is one of those things that will give you a little crisper, nicer release. Uh, but if you go and polish it, you may create something where it's slippery and, and is, is not consistent in how it engages, to how the two parts engage. So again, watch out for some of those things. Um, trigger shoes. Um, again, without throwing out names, uh, we had a run-in with a, a very big name in the industry early on with their trigger components. They've since fixed themselves. Um, they were kind of surly in doing it, but hey, we're still friends. Not really. Um, the, the certain trigger shoes may or may not engage well with your gun. 
uh, based on Glock tolerances. The simple fact of the matter is the Glock frame is a very fluid set of tolerances and in an aftermarket trigger shoe, the safety needs to be able to move freely behind the trigger and the back of the trigger. The trigger itself needs to be able to move freely on the trigger bar and that all of that needs to be able to move appropriately within the trigger housing uh, where you put your finger within the trigger guard. So if, if something's out of spec there or, or they're just not playing well with each other, you can run into issues where the safety can't be defeated um, and, and the system doesn't work consistently. You, you know, you're gonna have to jettison that and start over. I don't like jacking with safeties on guns. So I'm not gonna tell you to, to grind on a, on a trigger safety, but if you're comfortable with it or it's a game gun, that's your call. Um, along with that, there are some devices out there right now. The Glock has the, the safety lever internal to the safety or internal to the trigger. And if you look at some of the safeties that are out there on aftermarket trigger shoes, if you run high on the gun, you may not consistently disengage that safety uh, mechanism. That safety lever may not consistently get pushed all the way to the rear and allow the gun to fire. Um, we've seen that, and that, that may be a personal thing, how you hold the gun, how you run the gun. But also bear in mind that when it comes time to use the gun, you may not get that perfect competition draw stroke, hand placement, etc. on the gun. Um, you might be a fight for your life where things aren't quite perfect, and if you can't make the gun go bang, because your G-Wiz super fast flat face trigger didn't let you disengage the safety within it, that's a problem. So if you see those issues in non-stressful environments, there's a serious likelihood you'll see them increased in a high stress environment. So be aware of those things. And again, be willing to say to yourself, hey, I know I spent a lot of money on this, but it's just not working. It's, it's gotta go. I wanna go back to stock or go back or find something else that worked good. Um, that's, or you know, that, that's learning. Rounds through it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's called learning. That's not a defeat. That's, that's trying a, a new widget on your gun and, and it's not a defeat. So, you know, it's just learning what works and what doesn't. So, um, I'm sure there are other things in here that, that we're missing, um, but barrel, those barrel chambers. Um, so yeah, going, absolutely. Going, going back to, to custom barrels. Yeah. Yeah. Going to a match <clears throat> barrel. Um, a lot of the accuracy gain on that comes from having a slightly tighter chamber yeah which is a lot more unforgiving when it comes to ammo spec yep so glock the reason glocks eat just about everything is that the chambers on the looser side of sammy spec and in general an unsupported <clears throat> chamber the rear of the cartridge in most glocks the actual cartridge itself is not generally supported as well as it is in in other brands of barrel um ergo it's looser um, that's what makes them work a lot. Um, yeah. It's also what makes them not 50-yard, one-inch guns, um, which, by the way, are almost unicorns. So, you know, yeah, bear that in mind. The other thing, too, is it also, if you're going to go to some of these tighter-fitting custom parts, you know, I kind of alluded to that early on, um, you need to maintain your gun, uh, maybe even meticulously maintain your gun. And if that's the case, again, what have you done? You've unclocked your clock. So if that's the case, that's cool. Be aware of it and, and modify your PM and your maintenance practices accordingly so that everything works for you when you need it to. Treat it like a 1911. There you go. There you go. Exactly. Ouch. Um, cool. Um, magazines, aftermarket magazines. Um, I, I've, I've heard it said, and I think maybe this, this idea is a little bit outdated, but not much. Um, in semi-automatic weapon systems, magazines can account for generally around 90% of all failures um, that aren't ammo related anyway. Um, so bearing that in mind, aftermarket magazines, uh, we run the PMAGs and ETS mags in training. 
Um, I know a couple guys that run PMAX as, as carry mags. That's cool. If it works for you, great. Um, I generally stick with Glock OEM mags if I'm going to carry the gun for, for real-world use, but I do absolutely train with ETS mags um, and with PMAGs and with good results. We've had good luck with them. Um, the group of guys that we train with, uh, a couple of us weigh more than 130 pounds. Uh, we jettison mags on the deck in gravel and in hard surfaces. They get stepped on. Uh, things like that happen. And, and again, ETS, PMAG, and Glock all seem to work. Um, any of the Terran options that go on those as well, um, are, are outstanding options and seem to be very, very durable. Uh, we've also had good luck with the Vickers brand plus two extensions for Glock 42s and 43s as being very durable, um, even under hard use training, etc. Um, you know, so again, bear that in mind. Um, you know, also with your mags, occasionally even Glock mags need to be cleaned. Um, learn how to disassemble them properly. No pliers are involved. Learn how to disassemble them properly, clean them out, put them back together. No lubes generally necessary, but if you want to use a dry lube like graphite, like powdered graphite, whatever, no big deal. Um, but that, but that's another thing to consider. You know, when you're unglocking your Glock, you know, cheap mags, KCI's, Korean stuff like that, they don't work. Uh, they, they, you know, if they work in your gun, great, but don't trust your life to them. Hmm. So, um, and again, I'm sure there are other topics out there we're missing, but let's let's jump to lube um, and talk about lube. Um, lubricants for guns, we are extremely particular. Um, I throw out that we use slip products, I won't say exclusively, but very, very nearly exclusively. Um, slip products are outstanding. They work in all manner of different temperature ranges uh, from very, very cold to very, very hot. Um, also, their cleaning products and whatnot do a good job of getting gunk out of the gun, getting buildup carbon out of the gun. Um, and, and, and lubing your gun in the places that your Glock manual that came with your gun says to lube them um, is, is, is a kind of a big deal. You, I see people putting lube places it doesn't need to be. You do not need to lube the firing pin channel. Um, you do not need to squirt a bunch of lube into the uh, trigger block at the back of the gun. Um, you know, there's a lot of the gun that doesn't need it. And then over lubricating the gun, drenching it. If you run good lubes, they don't generally attract dust and stuff like that. If you're running some of the old school stuff, it may. So use lube sparingly because the gun doesn't need a whole bunch. But um, it does need some. It absolutely, yeah. It's not supposed to be dry, but it doesn't need to be dripping out of the gun. I think the Glock manual shows six or seven points of lubrication, and they talk about a drop on each. That's more than sufficient. That's more than sufficient. So, you know, lube the gun appropriately. Do lube the gun. Um, your uncle, you know, who was in Desert Storm in 1991, who tells you to leave the gun dry because oil will get you killed in the desert. Um, you're not in the desert, and you're probably not going to be. So don't worry about it. Yeah. I'd say lastly... Um... <clears throat> You know, watching a YouTube video does not definitely does not make you a gunsmith. Probably doesn't even make you a gun plumber. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're going to be messing around with the internals on your gun, um, for one thing, make sure you keep track of all the parts. Make sure you don't have parts left over when you put it back together. TapCityOutfitters.com, 4465 <laughs> Cemetery Road. We sell a nice little tray you can put on your uh, worktop workstation. That's a little silicone Glock branded parts tray to put your parts in so they don't roll away or fall into that 70s shag carpet in your basement. Uh, you might also consider having, you know, a, a more stock carry gun for reliability. And if you want to tinker, you know, buy a project gun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you're going to tear the gun apart, make sure you have an idea what you're doing. 
um, internet videos may not be the best basis for that. Yep. Uh, have questions, concerns, give us a shout, drop us an email, um, or stop in and see us. Thanks, guys.